Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more. Props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm Polina Edmonds, your host, and today I'm joined uh, by an amazing guest. He is an Olympic teammate of mine, a four-time national champion, and a two-time Olympian. Please welcome Jeremy Abbott. Hey. Hey, Polina. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be on your podcast. Of course. You know, it's been super fun uh, catching up with you lately seeing you at the rink in San Francisco and stuff like that. It, it's really nice to see skaters from the competitive, I guess, generation that I was a part of um, and still stay connected. Yeah, no, it's been super fun having you like back in the rink and like skating for fun. And um, it's like, I don't know, it's nice to have a, another familiar face uh, in the, in the rink. Yeah, totally. Well, let's get right off to when um, you first started skating. Let us know uh, how old were you and why did you start skating? Um, So I grew up in Aspen, Colorado, and um, winter sports are what you do there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So basically from the time I could walk, like my parents took me skiing, they took me skating. I mean, it's hard to say from like two years old that they taught me to ski and skate, but they took me skiing and skating. Um, which are both activities that I loved and still to this day love. But there was just something about skating that like I was so drawn to and um, shout out to learn to skate. I took learn to skate classes. I think one day I was at the rink and I saw kids skating by themselves and not on a public session and not like with instructors. And I was like, what is that? Um, And it was the skating club. And I was like, oh, I want to be a part of the skating club. And I got to see Robin Cousins, who was the 1980 men's Olympic champion. I got to see him perform and there was something about like the way that he commanded an audience and um, the cool things that he could do on the ice and just the way that people reacted to him. Like I'd never seen people cheer and clap and be so enthralled by, by one person before that I was just like, that's what I want to do. I was just so obsessed. And I turned to my mom and I was like, I want to do that. I want to do that. You have to sign me up for lessons. I want to join the skating club. Like I, like I put my foot down. I was like, you're going to join, like sign me up for the skating club and I'm going to take lessons. Um, And that was like the beginning of the end. Wow. That's really cute. So you started skating in Aspen and then at what point did you um, move to Colorado Springs? Um, What was like the level of skating that you were like, all right, I have to, I don't know, start taking it more seriously. Ah, so I wanted to move when I was like 10. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, my family didn't have like a lot of money to just be sending me here and there and everywhere for skating. Um, Especially because, you know, at that young, like, you never know what's going to happen and kids change interests. And um, I wasn't like naturally gifted at skating. Like I, I, I had, I could skate well, and I loved music and I loved skating to music. Um, but like, I wasn't like a naturally gifted jumper or spinner or like anything. So they were like, oh yeah, yeah, no, you're going to stay here. It's like, oh, well, like, what about Colorado Springs? And like, we're not moving you to Colorado Springs. Um, <laughs> we're going to stay here and like, you can keep skating and that's fine. When I was 13, um, my coach at the time, Peggy Bear, uh, told my parents, you know, I've taken, I've taken your son as far as, as far as I can. And Um, you know, if you want him to continue progressing, like you should consider going somewhere else. Like if he wants to remain at this level, like that's fine. But if you want him to progress, like, I think you should take him somewhere else. And 
because of that, then my parents let me move to Colorado Springs for a year with a family. Um, and in that year, like I got my double axle and I improved a lot and, um, they ended up following me to Colorado Springs a year later. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm so grateful to Peggy for having that, um, that foresight just to say, Hey, like I've reached my limit. Cause you know, I feel like sometimes you have an amazing coach who does that. And then sometimes you have a coach who's like, ah, I'm just going to hang on because like, you're really good. And like, I'm, I want to be part of that, mm-hmm. uh, which is also understand. I, I understand both perspectives, but I just, I'm very grateful that she gave me that, that freedom to move forward and to progress. Um, mm-hmm. And that like, you know, if, if she hadn't, like my life would be very different. <laughs> <laughs> so you started skating with uh, Tom Krejcik in Colorado Springs and then later worked with Yukasato. Um, talk about your favorite parts of working with both of them and um, also the decision to stop working with Tom and going to work with Yuka. Tom taught me like how to work hard and he taught me um, like good technique. Yuka, she taught me like the power that I had Um, and that came Mm -hmm. like just not from just like skating and competition but like what came after you know she was really looking she was looking out for me not just in terms of like okay what's going to be the best to win it was like what's going to be the best for you to like to win and to have that next step to have that next progression to be able to have a career past competition Mm -hmm. um it doesn't exist like it used to and certainly not even in like in my transitional period, Mm -hmm. but I grew up skating, wanting to go to the Olympics so that I could do stars on ice so that I could do those pro-am competitions so that I could do the TV events. And like, that's what I wanted to do. And then of course, like when I get to that point, like none of them exist, (laughs) but, um, but she really taught me how, like how to, how to market myself so that I can keep working. And like, you know, I haven't, I haven't competed since 2015 and I still am skating and I'm still working Mm -hmm. and I'm still performing. And um, I, I just, she taught me the value in that and, and how to mm-hmm. do that and how to do that when like, especially when you're like not prepared for it. Um, mm-hmm. Cause like sometimes, you know, you just, you're going to, you're going about your day and then you get a call and like, can you be somewhere in two weeks? And you're like, I haven't like, I haven't done anything. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like she, t- she taught me how to like put it together. She taught me how mm-hmm. to like plan and prepare and really get my, I don't know where you're at with your podcast, but get my shit together um, <laughs> in order to be able to perform when I needed to. And so mm-hmm. um, they both taught me very different skills that really have benefited me in very different ways. Um, and my decision to leave Tom, like ultimately I felt that I needed more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he taught me, he taught again I, I, he taught me how to work hard and it got to the point where I didn't need to be told how to work hard I I became self-motivated at that like mm-hmm. at that point in my career I was so self-motivated that I I I could work hard without direction to the point that sometimes I had to be told to stop um and I had good technique he taught me triple axle he taught me quad sow he taught me quad toe um and at that point I just felt like I needed somebody who could teach me as an individual mm-hmm. um and it, so that it was less about technique and less about the training but really it was more about like developing me as a full athlete and I really tried to express you know I I really did try I, I was 23 and I maybe didn't have the words or maybe I didn't have the confidence or I don't know but I to the best of my ability I tried to express what I thought I needed mm-hmm. um And I didn't feel that I was getting it. So I Mm -hmm. was just like, I think it's time. I think it's time to explore what else is out there. And it was a big risk because I decided to do that in an Olympic season with uh, a coach who hadn't been a coach really. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I went, um, I went for my first tryout with Yuka and after an hour, just like her technique was similar 
um, mm. so that I didn't have to, I didn't feel like I was, had to relearn anything. And her presence was like very calming, which I needed because I was like very high strung and had a lot of anxiety. Um, and just like the way she spoke, like I, we spoke the same language. Like whenever she, whenever she spoke, I understood what she was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just like, it clicked. I don't know. Like it just felt like such a, such like a symbiotic relationship that like, it just flowed so well and we could communicate very easily and very openly and very honestly. And, um, you know, if something didn't feel right, I could, I felt free to express myself in that way. And she felt free to explain to me why she felt differently. Um, Mm -hmm. and so we could have very easy communication. Um, you know, she, she's um, a good technician and she kept everything going and she kept training me very well. And, um, you know, as I said, sometimes I had to be told to be like, I I, I would work so hard that I would have to be told to stop. Um, and I learned the value of that. I learned the value of quality over quantity. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're learning, there has to be a lot of quantity. There has to be a lot of repetition, but once you've learned it, you have to refine and then it has to become about quality, more about the quality and less about the quantity, especially when you're in your mid twenties. Cause like that's when injuries start to happen. That's when other things start to like dictate more of your career. And so it was more about the value of, of what I was doing than how much, I, of, than how much I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, that's I think that's what I meant to say. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's super interesting to hear you talk about that because uh, it, it just really paints a picture of how personality is also very important when um, having a coach and student relationship. And there's so many great coaches. And I think people don't really know that sometimes, you know, you might have this golden picture in your head of, oh my God, I'm going to go work with this coach and it's going to be amazing. And then you get there and you're like, well, actually this style just might not be the best fit for me. It has nothing to do with like whether or not they're a great coach. Like, yes, they're a great coach, but it just, it's not meshing in the way that makes me feel, I guess, like you were saying, well-rounded. And it's, it's, it's fascinating to see so many skaters do that and go through different coaches until they find like the one that really gives them all the puzzle pieces that they need. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think to that note, you know, like sometimes we do see skaters that hop from coach to coach to coach to coach. And there's a difference between like they will move around because they're not getting the result they want versus like mm-hmm. the like the coach student relationship. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people can teach good technique. A lot of people can teach, you know, there are a lot of people who teach good technique. There are a lot of people who train very well. And I mm-hmm. think at a certain point, then it is about like, are you the right coach for the athlete? Because everyone has a different coaching style everyone has a different personality and mm-hmm. if the personalities don't mesh then it doesn't really matter like what you're teaching because like it's never going to absorb because you're not speaking the same language and and you're not really connecting with one another yeah um, no exactly and that, that just happens so often in our sport too from the youngest levels it's not even like just at the highest levels where it's very public and everyone can see it but it, it starts mm-hmm. when people are really young you know and it's yeah. it's really interesting but what would you say? So you went to two Olympics. Mm -hmm. Um, What was the difference for you in terms of, I guess, expectation and uh, perspective going into the second games based off of already have been at one and like having that experience and like, how is it different um, going to Sochi versus Vancouver? It's funny because like I felt so different between the two. but having space and a little perspective, like mm-hmm. I had a very similar, like I had a very similar, but opposite <laughs> mindset for both um, where it was, like both of them were kind of outcome driven. And I never worked well when my focus was on outcome, when my focus was on performance um, it was always good. But when it was on outcome, it was always a mess Um, and I had a much better perspective going into Sochi than I did into Vancouver, but, um, I still was like, it was still very results driven. Um, and I think that was like the problem for both of them, honestly. Um, 
because like you know i have i'm very well very well known to have great national championships and then like terrible olympics worlds um and i think the difference was like for nationals i was never trying to win nationals i was trying to skate my best so that i could continue mm-hmm. um and then but it's like once you get to world there in olympics there's nothing after so like what are you trying for what are you achieving for it's a result um like and that's like that's where my mind went and that's where it went kind of i think wrong um rather than just focusing again on the performance like do your job and do the best do it to the best of your ability so you can continue again into like performing into your career that you want to have after this competition but um i couldn't i i couldn't get my i couldn't get my head there and i didn't even realize like until very recently like that that was what was happening um so i think you know vancouver my goal was my goal was to be on the team like evan was the reigning world champion so i was not expecting to win nationals that year i had just switched to yuka and jason like eight months prior um i knew i was skating really well but just like with the way the sport was going and you know evan and johnny both beat me at the final um Evan was the reigning world champion. I was going into nationals. I was like, I just want the third spot. Like, I don't <laughs> care about, I don't care about anything else. I want that third spot. You know, at, at that point, like, it's, there's no pressure in winning. And I ended up winning, like, by a lot. Um, and then suddenly, like, people are talking to me as if I'm going to win the Olympics. And I was like, whoa, like, it just really threw me for a loop because my goal was to qualify. I, like, did not even think in my mind that winning at that at that point i did not even think that winning the olympics was a possibility mm-hmm. um and then to have like officials and like people from the federation be like hey if you do what you just did you will win the olympics and i was like uh whoa pressure <laughs> um i don't know if i can do that <laughs> So I went home and I just like, I just tried to keep replicating that. And when I couldn't, when I couldn't replicate that on a daily basis, I just like mentally destroyed myself. So I went to, I went to Vancouver, like already like defeated, like before I even left, I was defeated. Cause I was like, I can't, I can't do what I already did. And I'm like, I'm going to like let everyone down. And so you know, I approached that games in totally the wrong way where like, it just was only about that result. And the fact that I couldn't replicate that result leading like in those three weeks between nationals and and leaving for Olympics. Um, And all the, like, I basically just like destroyed all the work that I'd done that season because I was focusing on a result. I was focusing on, I have to repeat this every single day in order to do it at the Olympics. Um, and I couldn't do that. It got to the point that like, before I was leaving, I was missing easy triples. I like couldn't do a triple axle. I couldn't do a quad. I like wound myself up into like this, like spring of anxiety that just like couldn't even take a step on the ice and it was like oh and guess what you're going to your first olympics oh wait you can't skate (laughs) um so that was that was really hard um and then my experience there like skating was what it was um but after i was done skating i got sick and i was in bed for like a week um and i didn't get to Mm -hmm. see any other sports i didn't really get to i didn't really meet any other athletes you know, the only thing I saw, like, the only thing I saw outside of my sport was ice dancing. I didn't see any other sport. I I saw other athletes in the um, in the dining hall, but I didn't really interact with them. I didn't meet money. Um, so, like, my experience was very insular and very isolated um, from that standpoint. Where, like, the best thing about the games is the other athletes, yeah, the other events, experience. because yeah. yeah. And so when I went to Sochi it was very different where, you know, I wasn't, (laughs) nobody was looking at me to win. Um, So like I had a little more breathing room, but I prepared myself in a much better way that like when I was like, 
because I had learned from Vancouver, I was like, okay, you have to give yourself after nationals, you have to give yourself time to come down. It's going to be crap for a week or two. And you're going to build yourself back out of that. And like, I had learned that finally at 28 years old, that like, that's what I needed to do. That like, I couldn't just go from like here, like at the pinnacle and remain at the pinnacle until the end of the season. Like that was so dumb of me to think that I, that's what I had to do. Um, that it was like, okay, nationals is going to be a huge high. Then you're going to have a crashing low. And if you just keep chipping away at it, you'll be right back to where you were in no time, but without the pressure of having to be there, like just allow yourself mm -hmm. to kind of go through that low and eventually you'll come back up. And so I allowed myself to do that between Boston and Sochi and like leaving for Sochi, I was like so confident. I was doing clean longs, clean shorts, quad triples, like quads everywhere. And like, I felt great. Um, so then, you know, then it shifted to being like, wait, I could actually medal at those games. And then, of course, as soon as I started thinking like I could actually medal, then it started. Then it became about the medal and less about the the pro the process. And so, therein lies that my my focus was exactly the same as it was in Vancouver, where I'm just thinking about the outcome versus the the process and and the the, the performance. Mm -hmm. um, that Dang. is <laughs> that is until I took that gigantic epic fall into the wall and it was like there's nothing left to do but skate so i was like mm -hmm. well metals metals out the window um the result is out the window all that's left like is to be here for yourself and to show off what you can do you know i got up from that fall like thinking i was going to withdraw and i heard the audience just start screaming like um i don't were you there during the team event yet or were you still like at the no training? i was like I was in Austria training, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, because during the team event, like, oh, so men's event, the men's event was first. Um, and I skated right after Plushenko, and it was deafening. Like, you couldn't hear anything because the audience was so loud. Mm -hmm. And the second they announced my name, crickets. Like, no. <laughs> crickets. Um, I think I heard my mom clapping. Like, that's how <laughs> quiet it was. Um, and wow. it was kind of like that like if you weren't russian like they you got no like yeah no i do remember that kind of culture when we were in sochi at, like even yeah. at the hockey games and stuff like that it was crazy i'm like i'm the type of skater who really feeds off of an audience's energy <laughs> and mm -hmm. when i like i didn't feel any support i didn't feel any love and so like it's just you i mean like you know we're out there alone but when you like don't feel that support, you like really feel alone. Yeah. You know, team event was a disaster, short program. I, I like went down so hard on that first quad toe. And I like, I didn't know how badly I hurt myself. I didn't know like if I could, if I could continue, I didn't know if I even wanted to continue. I was like, just, I was in so much pain and so, so embarrassed. So I stood up and I started to hear the audience and it was just like, it just clicked. It was like, you're not here for a result. You're here for a dream that you made when you were a child and you're not, you're not going to give that up. Like at that moment, it was just like, you follow through to the end of this program. Even if you come dead last, like there's so much more. I will have so much more pride in myself and in my work and in my integrity. If I finish and come last than if I don't finish at all. Mm -hmm. um and so like i like as soon as i heard that applause and felt that support like i didn't care i didn't care if i fell like if i didn't care if i fell on the next 25 elements i was like you you go start to finish and you finish this thing with your head up because you came here for a reason and you've put in all this work and you're not going to let it just go because you're embarrassed and like your hip hurts like you were going to fight through this and you're going to go start to finish and the result is going to be what it's going to be, but you're going to have so much, you're going to be so much more proud of yourself for fighting through this than for giving up. And just by like taking that, that like taking switch, shifting that focus, allowing myself to make mistakes, allowing myself to not worry about a result and be so like petrified and anxious over what could or couldn't happen. I was like, you know what? Fall on everything, fall on everything. Fine. But finish. 
-hmm. And as soon as I gave myself the permission to make mistakes on every jump, I landed every jump because I was no longer like, I was no longer anxious about it because it didn't matter. You know, it was no longer about like, you have to land. It was, Mm -hmm. you just have to go. You have to go. Um, And like, that just gave me so much more freedom and it gave me such a better mindset. And it just like, it took away the anxiety and it took away the worry and it took my, it, it allowed me to go from like, it allowed me to be more mindful um, because like I did practice like mindfulness and, and meditation and stuff, but like, I, I really had trouble putting that to to practice for competition. Um, mm-hmm. And that like, that forced me to where it was like, you go step by step, stroke by stroke, turn by turn, and you just go start to finish. And it's no longer about perfection. It's no longer about um, a result. It's no longer about anything in the future that you have no control over. It's only about what you're doing in this moment with the things that you have actual control over. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like, that's like, that's the best advice that I can ever give my skaters is like, give yourself permission to make mistakes because it takes so much pressure off of yourself that you'll make less of them. Allow yourself sure. to fall, allow yourself to like, allow yourself to maybe not win, allow yourself to not pass that test, allow, give yourself that space because it will give you so much more freedom to actually do what you know how to do. Mm-hmm. It's crazy what the mind can do. Oh, it's insane. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's so untapped. I feel like in so many aspects of life in general, but in sports, it's, it's really hard. Uh, and it's been a problem for years. You know, that's why we only have so many athletes that can put it together at that elite level, um, when it counts. And that's why there's only three medals, you know, there's, it's, it's really difficult. And there's so many great athletes that are amazing in practice. And then they just, something goes wrong in competition. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's cool that we're, we're focusing more on it now. I think in the next generation of coaches and everything, like it's, it's becoming a lot more prevalent, um, as a training tool in sports. And, um, it's, it's so necessary because like you were saying, it can just eat away at any person, um, the expectation, the pressure that you put on yourself, not even like pressure from other people. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I've learned from skating too, is just, of course, there's always outside pressure, especially when people are talking to you and people hope that you do well, but I still think the biggest pressure comes from yourself. Like every time. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now that you um, have retired from competitive skating for a while, uh, you've done both choreography and you've done coaching. So mm-hmm. which is your favorite? Like, which one do you prefer? And uh, what's been your favorite part of doing both? I enjoy both so much, honestly. Um, they both have their upsides and their downsides, for sure. Um, I, I love choreography just because I love creating movement with music. And I like giving skaters something that they didn't expect I like giving them agency over their own career you know a lot of time I mean unless you're like you're when you're working with little kids you know you have to guide and and help and stuff but like when I get into like the higher levels like junior senior and especially with some older kids um, I really like it to be about them and what their wants and what their needs are about and really like I want them to drive the ship like yes of course I'm going to be choreographing it but in terms of music, I want to discuss that with them. I don't want to just hand it to them. I want to discuss yeah. what they want to look like, what they want to feel like, what they want the music to sound like, and, and go a little more in depth than just like, do you want it to be happy? Or do you want it to be like slow and pretty? Giving them the, the steering wheel to be like, this is who I want to be. This is what I want to say. This is how I feel. This is where I'm at. Um, and really just, you know, go with that. Um, mm-hmm. So I love that. Um, I don't love a lot of times I'll see a skater for three days and then I won't see them again for a year. Mm, Um, so it's just, I don't like that. I can't help them build and I can't help them grow. And I I can't really like every time you create a program, things have to change. Yeah. Like patterns need to change. Jumps need to change. Sometimes orders need to change. And that just like, you figure that out as you start training because it may be yeah. the same setup as the program from last year, but maybe that setup doesn't work with this program and, and this pacing and this timing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just sometimes those things need to evolve. And I really enjoy helping them evolve. And I really enjoy helping the, 
the performance evolve and, and the, the skating evolve where it's not just about like the program, but also like helping with the skating skills and that technique. So like, I, I don't like that. It's just like, okay, I'm here for three days and now I'm never going to see you again. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't like that side of it. That's the side I like about coaching is that I really get to dig in and I get to teach, you mm-hmm. know, it's not just like, okay, copy what I'm doing and then leave. Like I really get to teach my students what, what, what they should be feeling. I get to teach them technique. I get to teach them improvement and I get to see it on a day by day basis as it, as it goes. And I, I really love that part of it. Um, there are other parts of coaching I don't love. I love teaching. Um, I really like giving somebody skill. I really like giving somebody knowledge and, and giving them the empowerment to be able to do it on their own. Um, mm-hmm. Cause like I found a lot that, um, you know, we're in very much um, a immediate gratification sort of like society now where everything's at the touch of a finger, touch of a button. Um, we have everything at our fingertips and, but like, athletics don't work that way it takes time and it takes repetition and it takes practice and sometimes people don't see that but like a lot of kids they can they can see something and they can repeat it but they don't have an understanding of what they're doing so they're just like it's just it's like a copy it's a it's a copy of what what they're supposed to be doing and then it becomes kind of like that telephone game where like you sit in a circle and you whisper something in someone's ear and then by the time it gets to the other end it's something completely different where it's like yeah. it started it started properly, but then it had just been copied and pasted so many times that it became something that it wasn't supposed to be. Um, yeah. and so I like I like being able to give somebody the ability to have control over that and to understand the nuance and the technique and, and, and to be able to understand what they're doing so that they're not just replicating something, but they're actually like able to process and able to control and then able to replicate it on their own without just like the visual like oh look I'm doing what looks similar yeah you know what I mean exactly yeah that's awesome that's more about like that's that's true learning in my opinion is what you said because it it's sustaining yourself to be able to do it when you don't have the example to visually just repeat yeah yeah What I'm about to say might shock you, but the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a goat on the field. He's a goat when it comes to investing too. He invests in stocks, crypto, and even art. Now you can invest like the goat with Masterworks. Masterworks is the investing platform that lets you buy shares representing an investment in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. Art prices actually outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% from 1992 to 2021. In fact, early investors already received over 30% IRR in 2020 and 2021 from the sale of just two paintings. This is your opportunity to join 300,000 other members and invest like the GOAT. Plus, you can get priority access with our game day promo. Go to masterworks.art slash believe. That's masterworks.art slash believe. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guaranteed. You came out to San Francisco, uh, and we know that you started coaching Alyssa Liu, who was a two-time national champion beforehand. Um, so pretty big name in skating. Um, how did you decide to uh, start helping her um, in her team and training her? And um, what was your commitment commitment like when you originally decided to work with her um, because she was such an elite athlete? Uh, so <laughs> that was a, it was an accident honestly uh, <laughs> I'll give you a little backstory and then we'll like dive into it a little bit um mm-hmm. basically um I September of 2019 I had moved all of my stuff in Michigan into storage um because like for the majority of 2019 I was just traveling and I was never home so it got to the point that I was like why why am I paying rent for a place I'm not living in? But of course, as we know, the world, like 
as we knew it at the time kind of ended. Yeah. Um, the rink shut down. I went from Michigan to Idaho. Gracie Gold actually met me there. And we worked for two oh. weeks on her programs for that season. And she went back. And from there, I had nothing going on. So I had decided to go camping. Because I was like, well, what's like, what's a like socially responsible, socially distant activity where I'm not going to be coming into contact with other people? And, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, a road trip and camping, get to see parts of the country that I've never seen in my entire life. Yeah. Um, so I go from Idaho, I go to Oregon, and I camp like in the Cascades there, Washington, and then I went down to the south of California, and um, I kind of like zigzagged my way back up. And I came to San Francisco, and this was like, at this time, it was late August, so things were kind of opening. Um, and the rink happened to be open here, and I had my skates, and I wanted the skates, so I went in. I get this person with like this big curly hair and like two masks on who's like waving at me and I'm looking over. I'm like, what the, like, I was like, I don't, so I stop and I'm like, hi. And then he pulls his mask down and I see his Massimo. And I was like, what are you doing here? Like I knew he was living in Chicago. I had no idea that they had like, that he and his partner had relocated to the Bay area, let alone that he was working with Alyssa. So I was like, what? Like, what are you doing here? He's like, um, well, I'm coaching Alyssa Lou. And I was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. Like, so, <laughs> so much has happened that I have no idea about. Um, and he was like, it's so good to see you. Like, would you like to teach her a lesson? I was like, yeah, I literally haven't been working. Um, and to work with, like, a two-time U.S. champion, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, of course I do. So I taught her a lesson, just like on basic skating skills. Um, and then like, when I say basic, like, I mean like basic, like we just started with like, just stroking. forward stroking, like not even nice. crossovers, just like forward stroking. I was like, we're breaking it back down to zero. And after that lesson, I don't know if her, her dad liked it or Massimo, I have no idea. But then he was like, um, would you like to teach her a few more? I was like, yeah, I can stick around. I taught her a few more lessons. Um, and then after that, um, he was like, so I spoke with Alyssa's dad. How would you feel about working with, you know, 30 minutes a day, like five days a week? And I was like, okay, great. So at that point, like Lee Barkel was kind of the, Mossimo was managing and Lee was kind of like the head coach, but you know, obviously she couldn't go to Canada. He couldn't come here. So they were doing a lot yeah. of Zoom. And she was also working with Lori Nickel and Carolina Costner. So I was like, bottom of the like bottom of the list which like made me so happy because I was like oh like I see I see what I can offer but I have like zero responsibility which is great um I can I can earn a few bucks I can work with a really talented skater I can like offer Mm -hmm. her what I have to offer and like have zero responsibility I love this and just like through the course of the process like I think it became really difficult for everyone to do everything over Zoom, especially with like mm-hmm. time differences and, um, you know, this, that, and another. And it's just kind of like one by one, like stepping aside. And then like, next thing I know, Mossum and I are coaching Alyssa. <laughs> I was just so, I was so happy to be asked. And I was so, I don't know, I guess I was just in the right place at the right time. But I like, I was fully like, planning to continue like moving east and seeing all of like the the national parks and like seeing the Grand Canyon and going to the south like all of these places that I've never been and mm-hmm. then I got to San Francisco and didn't leave and here you are now still and in here San Francisco let's still go. in San Francisco <laughs> that's really cool well what was it like working with her I really enjoyed the work that we did with Alyssa um you know it was like it was a lot of work. It was hard work, but she's just, she's such a good kid. Um, you know, she really, she's a good person and she worked really hard and she was very open to whatever we asked of her. Um, and again, like I said, I like to give my students 
agency and like she was 15 at the time so you know she's still very young she's 16 now but at the time she was 15 and like you know she still needs guidance um but like i wanted to like start to give her the wheel to start to give her like to empower her to mm -hmm. to make her career hers yeah so that like her goals were hers her her training was hers everything about her skating like I wanted her to take full ownership of um, obviously like with us guiding her and with our help, but I wanted to empower her in that way where she really no longer felt like a kid, but she felt like a grown up. where it was like, I'm not doing this because I'm told to do this, but I'm doing this because I want to do this. And because these are my goals and this is what I want, because when a skater can get to that place, like it's so much more powerful and, and they succeed so much better because it's about, it's self-driven, you know, it's mm -hmm. not externally yeah. driven. It's, it's internally driven. And there's so much more power from that internal drive than from an external drive. I really enjoyed working with her and I really enjoyed introducing her to like those ideas and those concepts. And, and I loved watching her like blossom as a skater. Like she really improved her skating skills so much and she had improved her, um, her musicality and her artistry so much and um even jump technique like before you know before her dad fired us like triple axles were right there like mm -hmm. i was starting to see they were like on like on the quarter on a much more consistent basis and it was like i think it just took her because i i wasn't giving her i gave her basically the same correction for like a year and a half but I think it got to the point where we really earned her trust to the point yeah. that she really started to like, she started to open up to the ideas much more mm -hmm. where like at first I could tell she was a little resistant. Like I could tell she was resistant to changing things because it had worked for her. Like, you know, she could do a triple axle. She could do a quad lutz. Apparently she could do a quad sow as well. Um, mm -hmm. Like she could do all of these things when she was young and then like, but when she grew, she couldn't do them, but she knew that what she had done had already worked. And so mm -hmm. I think it was like, she was a little resistant to, to changing things because like she, why, why, why do I need to? I, I already can do these things. This is just me guessing. I, just like, this is just from my observation. Mm -hmm. um, but I could tell she was a little resistant to these changes. And then like kind of towards the end, like she really started to latch on and she really started to, be much more willing to make mistakes and be much more willing and open to changing things. And mm -hmm. that's like, that's when things started really progressing. Um, yeah. And so it, like, for me, I was really like, whatever happened, happened. But um, for me, that was the hard part because it was like, I saw it, I saw it all coming together and we were like right on the precipice of like everything just like, like shooting up. And, but that was the point when like, the rug got pulled out um and that's when her dad fired us and that's like mm -hmm. um you know she moved to colorado and um you know but she she made her first olympic team and she's gonna go out you know in the next couple weeks and i just hope for the best for her like again as mm -hmm. i said she's an amazing kid and i enjoyed working with her and i wish like i i hope she goes to her olympics and i hope she skates like the programs of her life um you know triple axel quad i could care less i just hope she enjoys the process and i hope she enjoys the experience and i hope that she can really again just take ownership of that and feel proud of the work that she's done and and be happy with whatever result she gets but i just i hope it's her i hope it's her best i hope i really feel really like i'm gonna be in her corner rooting for her no matter what yeah uh it's it's crazy because i feel like you guys you guys had her at probably the most challenging and difficult time of her career so far uh mm. which is crazy to say because you would think you know winning the two championships learning a triple axel and a quad quadlets doing that in competition you would think like that's already like the pinnacle of everything like you've achieved the success but in mm -hmm. reality with her being so young and so small uh, that stuff is a lot easier to do before you grow as any human does before you go through that puberty And so for her to be in that that stage of her life um, When you started working with her 
it's it's really tough. So it's it, interesting that you say like it was it was hard for her to mentally adjust to needing to do something different with the technique uh, based mm-hmm. off of her body type when in the past it worked. And it, that's something that popped up in my head of, I remember the same thing when I was trying to get my jumps back after I had grown so much after my injury, I'd be, I'd be looking at my videos of me doing a triple X triple toe in Boston, 2014 at nationals. And I'd be like mm-hmm. in my car, like studying it and like, why can't I do this anymore? Like I had it. Yeah. Where did it go? <laughs> why can't, it was so easy. Like why? Yeah. But it's, it's so tough. It's just, well, it's like, the body changes so the technique has to adapt to it like it, you can't just like you know as as your body grows and as it changes and even as you get stronger like you have to adjust to that it's a challenge for skaters for sure and i think it's also a challenge mm-hmm. for coaches is to figure out yeah. like okay well what worked before is not going to keep working so how do we adjust to this skater's needs mentally yeah. and physically to get the most out of them true that um Alyssa has been doing a lot of Instagram lives. Uh, a lot of people love to watch them. They're kind of like, she usually brings on a friend or two or three that she just chats with. And it's it's very typical 15, 16 year old teenager behavior, um, especially, mm-hmm. I can't imagine how difficult it would be right now socially in COVID to be that age and not get the same access to um, people you know, whether or not you're homeschooled, it's still completely different. Like you're not getting nearly the same amount of um, social exposure yeah. in this pandemic in the last two years. It's very normal what she's doing, but I think for a lot of people, it's very um, shocking because she's mm-hmm. such a high profile athlete. Um, and mm-hmm. she has been a huge like public figure for multiple years now. Um, mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people are just kind of questioning her um, I guess seriousness to skating because she doesn't always like talk about loving skating on her lives and stuff like that. So just can you tell everyone listening like your perspective on her love for skating because you you actually know her and you know her from a training perspective. Um, so yeah, oh, I don't know. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend to speak on like what where she's at mentally or what's going on like with her skating I have no idea you know like since since she moved to Colorado you know I I don't know anything past the point of when she left California I know that she loves to skate um she really like she still has that like do you remember what it was like when you first started skating and just how fun it was like there was no expectation and there was not Mm -hmm. like you didn't train and like you just got on the ice and you you got to enjoy skating purely for the joy of skating yeah um and i can tell you like for everything that she's done and accomplished and been through she hasn't lost that she still purely loves skating um so you know, I, I, I'm not going to pretend to talk about like what her commitment is or where she's at. Cause I have no idea. I really, I truly don't. And it's not, it's not my business. So I just, I know that she really still has that childlike love of skating. Um, and she really enjoys, enjoys it. Um, I hope she's doing well and I hope that, um, she has a really good solid support system around her and I know that like all of her off-ice team is still with her so I know she's in really good hands from that perspective um you know she has an amazing off-ice trainer she has a, an amazing sports psychologist um and she's got like she's got a good team around her and I just hope that like I hope she's doing well and I hope that um she's in a really good place um and you know I hope that she she gets everything from her Olympic experience that she wants to get from it. Amen. Well, since you've been in SF for a while, um, are you planning to still stay and coach in San Francisco in the Bay area? Or do you want to continue on your road trip at some point? (laughs) Ooh, I would love to continue on my road trip at some point. (laughs) Um, But like, I've always loved San Francisco as a city. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm really kind of just, I'm taking it, year by year um i love i love your babuena and i love Paige, who is the skating director 
Um, she's awesome. She is awesome. And like, she's like, this setup is really lovely. And I like, I love the rink. It's one of my favorites in the country with all the glass and the natural light that we get. It's and so beautiful. Yeah. It, it's hard to beat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, <laughs> and there's just like, there's a really positive, supportive atmosphere. And um, I like the adults I work with. I like the kids I work with. Um, but I, I, I genuinely don't know what's going to happen, like, once my lease is up this, this fall. Um, mm-hmm. So I just, I'm really just assessing it, like, month by month, bit by bit. But the, I, am, I am for sure here through September. Um, and then, you know, we're going to reassess and we'll figure it out. Amazing. I mean, hopefully you stay because it's been really fun skating together. (laughs) It has been really fun skating (laughs) with you. It's been a lot of fun. Um, Because like the last time, it's been really enjoyable getting to know you as an adult because (laughs) when, I mean, when we met, you were 15 and we were like, and I was 28 and we were traveling like, to the Olympics like what a weird like what a weird moment to like meet somebody and um, yeah and also like you know not gonna like a 28 year old befriending a 15 year old is like not okay <laughs> um so like it's really cool to see you now as a 24 year old and um like get to know you as an adult like outside of skating and and just to see like the journey that you've been on and how much you've grown up and where like what you've gone through and where where you've come from and now and where you're at now like it's Mm -hmm. it's it's been really cool to to see that journey and and to now like get to know you on a completely different level in a different way um so yeah I've really been enjoying our little like daily (laughs) just escape like our own little coffee club (laughs) yes well thank you that's really sweet um it's funny I've heard that sentiment from a lot of people lately as I've gotten like back into the skating world in this past year with both the podcast but also just being at different events and stuff it's it's really funny people are like oh my god adult Paulina (laughs) wow I'm just like yep you know see me but better I guess you know hopefully (laughs) We all grow up eventually, I guess. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's cool, like, that the generation... I'm, I'm the same age as a lot of the current generation, but my skating career is the past generation. So it's it's super weird, but it's really cool that I'm just connected with, like, so many different age groups, I guess, at this point. <laughs> that, like, that's so true. And it's really <laughs> fun because I feel like you and I both were kind of, like, those... Like, we kind of fell in, like, the in-between phases of like like one group exiting as another group is entering Mm -hmm. um yeah because like I overlapped the Johnny Evan period into the like Nathan period Mm -hmm. um so so it's like it's really weird to think that like from the reverse perspective that like I competed against some of the the people that are still competing (laughs) yeah and they're like yeah. they're like earlier to like early to mid 20s I'm like god you're that much older than these kids <laughs> that's hilarious yeah um same but from basically the opposite standpoint of like wow I was really young when I met all these people but I'm so I'm so stoked to have been at an olympics in a locker room with Yuna Kim and Maosada like oh my god yeah legends. you got like Just <laughs> You like hit a good point. Um, yeah, you got to, awesome. you were you got to like be there with like Carolina Costa and Nasada yes. and Yuna Kim and like these people that even that like that are still like marquee names in our sport. Like all these years yeah. later, that's amazing. It yeah, it was really trippy back then, and now looking back, I'm just like. I don't know what lucky stars aligned for me that year, but I'm so grateful because, wow, it was just, I loved Sochi. I loved our team. Like, I loved all of that. The experience was just really fun. I definitely think had I been older, I may have got 
been able to get a little bit more out of the experience mm -hmm. um but it it was just it was fantastic so have you like on your on your podcast have you like gone into detail about your experience yeah i have a little bit uh i like the first few episodes i kind of talk about my like skating journey and everything but um it's funny because I was already like almost a year and a half ago when I spoke about it. So I feel like even now after talking with so many skaters about their experiences and like seeing links and like relating to stuff, I, I feel like I have a different perspective now than I did a year mm. and a half ago when I started. So it's, it's fascinating what time can do. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're, we're going to have to go rock climbing and like talk in depth about like your experience and everything. Cause I'm really fascinated <laughs> to like, to hear, cause I mean, we, we obviously had a very different, perspective um but I would love like I'm really interested in hearing like what it was like for you being so young and going through it and um you know now being on the other side and kind of processing it because like you know I was done in 2015 and I'm still processing my skating career and I'm still like uncovering mm -hmm. and understanding like what happened to me and like what yeah. what like the things that I did to myself and and what I learned and what was traumatic and like you know because there were so many like from my own perspective like I went through a lot of a lot of like trauma um mm -hmm. a lot like a lot I put on myself some was put on me um some was learned um but then I also like I'm starting to now that I'm coaching, like I'm starting to understand what I actually learned and how it's applicable to my life outside of skating. Like I didn't really understand that until much more recently. And I'm like starting to be able to like see my career much more clearly as time goes on and, and to be able to process it and, and kind of go through all of that, like as I get further and further away. So like, I'm, I'm so intrigued to hear like, as you get further away, like how, like the, the perspective you gain on all of it and i'm sure it's i'm sure there are so many similarities but i'm sure it's also like very different in so many ways <laughs> as well no totally yeah i'd love to we definitely should go climbing and just get into <laughs> it you know it's it's really funny i think i think probably like just the biggest thing i probably learned is that uh playing the game doesn't have to be negative because for mm -hmm. me, that was like the biggest thing for my career was I hated the game. I hated the politics. Like I just wanted to skate and like get rewarded the way I thought I should be. Ah. I always felt like everyone was against me. And it's like now that I'm older, I'm like, well, you can play a game with your career in any stage of your life. But like it doesn't need to be this like negative thing. It can just be like doing the right things without it feeling like you're selling your soul. If that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah. 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 <laughs> It's so funny, like, that you bring that up. I feel like, I, I feel like most of us <laughs> at some point felt like that, like, like talking to people in my generation who, like, I thought got all of the support and all of the attention and all of, like, the things that, like, I wanted, like, or that I felt like I wasn't getting. Mm -hmm. And then I talked to them. They had people that they were like, oh, this person got all the support and the attention and the things that I wasn't getting. And it's like, it's so funny because I was like, well, you got more than I got. But from your perspective, they got more than you got. I don't know if that is something that just like needs to change internally or if that's like a systematic thing where like, yeah, like just really support your athletes so that they all feel like they're appreciated even if they don't yeah. win. I don't know. Yeah, no, um, it, it, I definitely think it is, like, systemic. systemic. It just, it's, like, a problem of the system, you know? Yeah, it, it's just the way that things go based off of... It's not, like, planned favoritism, but it it's just there. Like, it's always yeah. going to be there. It's not going to just, like, magically go away because humans aren't perfect. And, like, as yeah. much as we want everything to be equal, like, inherently, we just... We don't do that. <laughs> I don't think I ever expected things to be equal, but it was, like... You know, there were definitely times where it, it felt like you were completely, like, just displaced. Yeah. Like, it was just, even if it was never directly said to you, it, it felt like people were telling you, you're done. Yeah. When you, when you knew you weren't done, when you knew you had more to give, but it, it felt like people gave up on you preemptively. Yes. Yeah. I totally felt that, I think, my, like, 2016 season. 
where mm -hmm. I walked in and like, like you were saying about the, your first Olympics where you just, you came in, you just wanted to be number three. You wanted to get on the team. Like that was it. Like the best that you were going to get was number three. That's how I walked in the 2016. Mm -hmm. And I felt it, like the presence from like everyone, like every skater, everyone thinks they're going to get the third spot, like clean is done. And I was just like, grr. And then I ended up getting like second and I almost won. And I, I was I like, you that. nailed that short program. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, like I almost won nationals. And then it was like so hard to lose. And it was so weird to walk away from nationals with a silver, which was better than the bronze I wanted and yet feel even more disappointed than I think if I hadn't like gotten the bronze, but yeah. No, your short program that season was like on another level. That was such a good program. Um, you. you won Four Continents that year, didn't you? The year before. Oh, I thought you won yeah. that year. I got, I literally got injured like a week after nationals. Um, Never returned. <laughs> Never. All right, Sadly, but. <laughs> that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Oh. It was unfortunate, but it was just meant I to be that way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that was my first Nationals that I, like, ever watched. Um, mm. And I watched that short program, and I was like, it was the perfect vehicle for you. Like, you were so perfectly packaged. Like, I loved your hair. I loved your makeup. Your dress was gorgeous. I know these are all superficial things. But then, like, <laughs> the way that you interpreted the the music and the way that it was choreographed for you and for your like for your body and your style like it just was like it was like complete synergy like it was like the perfect vehicle for you like it was like this is Paulina's program it was so good mm -hmm. thank you and like yeah, yeah. It's my favorite program I think um you know like you see a skater you can just tell like when they have the right vehicle for themselves when it's not like trying too hard or not trying hard enough or like it's like yeah it's something that elevates them to that next level and it just suits them so well. And it was like that program. I was like, ah, oh, Pauline is it, Pauline is it. And then unfortunately you got injured and that was that. I know, <laughs> I know. So, Which, and that's like another thing that's super weird uh, because that, it just leaves so many question marks of like what could have been. And I know everybody has the what could have been like moments, but mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy especially looking back now to be injured at 17 years old yeah. career ending at 17. Like that's crazy. And it like, that's why I get so like passionate about seeing young kids. So like, like Ilya, for example, not going mm -hmm. to the Olympics. It's, it's fine. But at the same time for me, I'm like, Oh my God, what if this kid gets injured and then he just never gets to go to the Olympics? I know. You know, there's just no guarantee. Because I had that and same thing where it was like everyone was like, Polina, 2018 Olympics, 2018 Olympics. 2014 was my only shot. <laughs> uh -huh. It's crazy. You just never know what's going to happen, you know? That's so it's true. Like unpredictable. I think it's going to be person by person, like, yeah, for definitely. what's going to be best for their future. Um, but I was kind of like, I was kind of like, maybe they need to give her the experience first before, like, shoving her in the deep end. Um, but then I watched you compete at the Olympics and I was like, no, 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 <laughs> <laughs> they did right. You were on fire, you know, talking about like, oh, I just want Alyssa to make the most of her Olympic experience. Like you made the most of your experience. Like you went out and you did everything that you could do. And like, what more can you ask? Like, yeah. honestly, it's the whole performance mindset that you're talking about. Cause it's like, obviously going into that games, it wasn't like I was, gonna beat Mausad or you know Kim for the podium like that just was not realistic whatsoever um so it really was just like go and like show what you do in practice I knew that that was the start of my career as a senior it mm -hmm. wasn't like the pinnacle even though I was at the Olympics already and it was yeah. really awesome that I was given the opportunity to compete on that platform because whether it was junior worlds or the Olympics I still was gonna have to perform these programs under pressure Absolutely. And it, like, it, it really didn't matter which one I was at. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I will say being an Olympian now, I can't say it a hundred percent mattered. Like I'm glad that I can <laughs> say I'm an Olympian and not just a junior world person, but absolutely from a pressure, from a self pressure standpoint, it was the same because there wasn't an expectation for me to meddle by any means. Yeah. And so for that reason, I'm like, I, I, I totally think that if somebody's already reaching like a peak for me, like that was my peak of that 
age or era, whatever, like before puberty, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like I should have gotten the opportunity and I did, which was great. And so it's yeah. like definitely hard for me to see kids now, like not get the opportunities. And I'm just like, I'm yeah. so lucky. Like it just really, it worked out for me, but it doesn't work out for everyone. It's crazy. It, do- it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, like, to like to take the the exact opposite like let's talk about like Elizaveta Tuptomisheva who has been at the top of our sport for like a decade and has never gone to an Olympic Games she has a world world title a world bronze like how many like Grand Prix medals just because these kids just keep like churn it out and churn it out and churn it out she never gets to go (laughs) I know. And, like, and that for me is like heartbreaking because like she yeah. has earned her spot. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like she has proven she her has. longevity. She's gotten better and better. Like I, I just like, I don't know. I have trouble with that one. I'm like, send Lisa, send her yeah. already. <laughs> no, it, it's but. so true. I It's so like, it's obviously case by case, but they're sus- systemic like issues are different than ours which is interesting but yeah um okay you have a current world medalist who is improving and like and is one of the top six best in the world because she made the grand prix final send her send her i know and like just so impressive that she has been able to hold on to a triple axel for like years as a woman that is what we aspire to honestly that's what we aspire to. I'm like, it's true. <laughs> this is just this has turned into uh, an Elizaveta Tukhamishva stand podcast. Um, so <laughs> if you're not on board, tune out. Bye. <laughs> no, so good, Jeremy. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today. Uh, you you said some really really good things about um, mindset and uh, the way that skaters feel when they're going through the highs and lows of their career and everything. And it's just, I think it's really, really insightful for everybody to be able to listen and um, hopefully learn some things. I know a lot of skaters love hearing all of good therapy talk, essentially. So (laughs) thank you so much for coming on today. (laughs) Um, No, thank you. Like, thank you for such an enjoyable conversation and like allowing me the space to just like talk freely and openly and, um, it was like, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun chit-chatting with you today. And um, yeah, thank you for just like kind of <laughs> letting me go uh, free, I guess. <laughs> um, no, th- seriously, thank you so much for having me. I really, really enjoyed our, our conversation. And um, I look forward to skating with you tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> well, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Please leave me a comment, leave me a review. I love hearing what you guys have to say. Follow me on my Instagram. That's where I'm promoting this. My username is at Paulina Edmonds. And stay tuned for my future podcast episodes. I release every Tuesday. And I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.